Welcome, 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 welcome in. Hope everyone out there is doing fantastic. We're going to talk some NFL football for about 15 total minutes. And I'm very excited to do that with you guys. Today's lineup. All right, today we're going to be discussing a lot of news, a lot of notes, and then 10 polarizing players plus one bonus. Polarizing as in their range of outcomes is pretty vast. I went ahead and grabbed 11 players off the Fantasy Pros ADP website, average draft position for those of you that don't know what that means. And I'm going to discuss the wide range of outcomes for these players. You know, a lot of them can finish as top 10 players at their respective position or not even be top 40 or a couple of them at least. But yeah, so that's what we're going to do today. And I thank you guys for listening. News and notes from around the league. News and notes from around the NFL. Kenny Galladay pulled a hammy yesterday at Giants camp. Obviously, you guys know how big of a fan I am of Kenny Galladay. It was reported that it is not serious. He's going to be week to week, but it's more like day to day. Those hamstring injuries do scare me, though. They tend to linger if they're not fully healed. Matt Stafford hit his thumb on a player's helmet, but he's expected to be fine. X-rays were negative. Elijah Moore is working with the first-team offense of the New York Jets, electrifying Ole Miss wideout. A lot of hype surrounding Moore. We'll see if it's actually true. I'm not too excited about any Jets player for fantasy purposes, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on. DeAndre Sift is reported to work as the bell cow. Can't read too much into these camp reports, especially the positive ones, but I'm starting to come around a little bit on DeAndre Swift. At first, I was really avoiding him, but good running backs with a lot of volume can be good for fantasy purposes on bad teams, i.e. James Robinson, David Montgomery, etc. We've seen it happen before. Tariq Cohen is still weeks away from performing at Bears camp. I'm starting to get worried, and I think that David Montgomery's draft stock boosts a little bit because of those reports, but I think that Damian Williams is going to be a little bit of a problem as well for the David Montgomery truthers. I'm not a fan of David Montgomery. I think he's pretty average, but he does get a lot of carries and receptions, which is a lot of what we care about for fantasy football purposes. And Phillip Rivers would not rule out an NFL comeback if it were late enough in the season and he was feeling it. Interesting. <laughs> not too much to say there. I would love to see Phillip Rivers give it one more go. It would be interesting to see which team uh, it could be. Maybe the Broncos, if they're struggling with their quarterback situation, they're pretty complete outside of him. But I'm just spitballing here. We'll see. We'll see. And now for 10 polarizing players, plus a bonus one. Again, polarizing, meaning these guys can really vary in their outcomes for how they perform in this upcoming season. Number one, no specific order. But this guy is probably the most talked about player in the last three weeks because he is going in the first round and there's a lot of stuff around him changing jonathan taylor finished the league or finished the year last year rather third in the league in rushing yards with with 1169 he's currently going sixth in average draft position but i expect that to drop big time quinton nelson ironically has the same exact foot injury that carson Wentz has and was just diagnosed with they're both expected to miss five to 12 weeks and I think that that is huge for Jonathan Taylor because you take out the best offensive lineman in football and you take out the starting quarterback and you're left with backup quarterback <laughs> Jacob Eason and no Quentin Nelson on the line. And I, to begin with, 
am still concerned about the volume level for Jonathan Taylor because Marlon Mack is no slouch and he's coming back and he's on the last year of his deal. And Naheem Hines is a great pass catching back, not a great running back, you know, in between the tackles, but a really good pass catching back. So you take out a great offensive lineman, you take out Carson Wentz, and you add one stellar running back when he's healthy. And Naheem Hines, who's a really good pass catching option, I think that the risk for Jonathan Taylor far outweighs the potential reward when it comes to other guys that you can take in that area. I would much rather Zeke. I would much rather Aaron Jones. I would much rather Joe Mixon uh, at this point. I would much rather John, or, uh, Austin Eckler. And I'm not a big Austin Eckler guy, but I would rather Austin Eckler just because I think that the volume is a little more guaranteed. I just don't see how Marlon Mack on a contract year would not be run into the ground or at least given a lot of the workload as well as Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor, if they're trying to preserve him for years to come, why in the world would you give him all this work this year when you have a perfectly capable running back in Marlon Mack as well? Number two, Gio Bernard. We know how much Tom Brady loves those pass-catching running backs. James White flourished in New England for so many years thanks to Tom Brady. He loves the dump-offs. And Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette can't really ascend to that level. At least we haven't seen it. You know, They're not really pass-catching specialists, especially not Leonard Fournette. Um, and Ronald Jones either. He he's he's not really a pass catching guy. I think I think Gio Bernard really fits that mold, that James White mold. Currently going 184th overall, so he is free. And late round flyers. If you can get Tom Brady's PPR pass catching back, he could easily have RB2 upside. There's also a world where Gio Bernard plays five snaps the whole season, but I really don't expect that to be the case. I think that Gio Bernard is a really really good stash at the end of drafts. Number three, Julio Jones. Arguably, or at least Pete Julio was the best receiver in the game. I think that he has lost maybe a step since he's gotten older. He is currently 32 years old, but still one of the best in the game. Current ADP is 40, the first pick of the fifth round. And I think that the Titans might have the most talented offense in football. I, I don't believe that they are, personally. I think that the Bucks and Chiefs are a little more star-studded, but you can certainly make the argument. A.J. Brown is ascending into one of the best receivers in the game. Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in the game. Ryan Tannehill is a great regular season quarterback, does not have the clutch gene, but he's exceptional in the regular season. And then you add Julio Jones, one of the greatest receivers to ever do it, who still has a lot left I think that Julio's upside is unmatched compared to other receivers in that range like Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Julio's upside is far beyond any of those guys. His upside is top five finish. His downside, I don't think it's... I think the only downside with Julio Jones is really just injury because it seems like every year Julio Jones gets a hamstring injury in like week three and it just lingers throughout the rest of the season. (laughs) So I love Julio at that ADP and... You should too, because there's no reason that he should be going that late. I would think that if you didn't tell me ADP, I would have said third round for Julio because he is that good, man. People forget. Number four, Tyler Lockett, current ADP 53. Start of the sixth round for a receiver that finished wide receiver eight last year. Now, if you had Lockett last year, it was a bumpy ride. Um, He really had two games that made his season. 
and I'm sure if you had him in your lineup those two games, you probably won your matchup. But the rest of the way, in PPR at least, a lot of the games were single digits. He was giving you six, seven, eight fantasy points, which can bury you in a week, especially if you're in a high-scoring league. But I believe that Tyler Lockett is in an offense with the best deep ball throwing quarterback in the game. And I believe that last year was a fluke. I believe that last year he got shorted some games in the numbers, and the Seahawks ran the ball a little too much. They recognized that, and I believe that they're going to let Russ Cook and Tyler Lockett is going to be one of the best values in fantasy. Another guy whose upside is seriously a top-five wide receiver. His downside when he doesn't have the blow-up games is massively bad. It's seven, eight fantasy points, you know, four for 40 um, with no touchdown, but... If you go two receivers early and Tyler Lockett is your third receiver, you are doing something right. Number five, Dak Prescott, ADP 47, was absolutely killing it last year before he got hurt, was far and away the quarterback one and it wasn't even close. Which Dak are we going to see? I don't believe that the Cowboys' defense will be as bad as it was last year. Not even close. It can't be. They parted like the Red Sea from weeks 12 on. I remember watching the Baltimore game and J.K. Dobbins was touching the ball. He would get the ball and, you know, 10 yards downfield would be the first time a Cowboys defender even laid a finger on him. It was bad. They used something like nine of their 12 draft picks on defense and their first six on defense. The Cowboys made fixing their defense a huge priority this offseason. And one of the reasons why Dak was so good last year was because the defense was so bad. They were having to play games and go up against teams, and the final score would be 45-41. to 41. And Dak would have to throw for five touchdowns and 400-plus yards. I don't know if he has to do that. I don't. I, I, I don't believe he will. Zeke looks better this year. At least that's the reports out of training camp. Lost. Shed about 15 pounds. Looks leaner than ever. If Zeke is on top of his game, then I'm not saying that Dak Prescott is a bad pick, but... At that price, I'm not going to pay that. I'd rather Russell Wilson a couple rounds later, personally. I think Russell does better than Dak this year. I, I, I think that Dak's upside at the Cowboys' defense is as bad as it was, is for sure quarterback one, but his downside is also top 15 because if the defense improves and Zeke is better, then that's that. That's just that. <laughs> Number six, Brandon Cooks, ADP 88, late ninth round. Late ninth round for a player who finished as a top 20 wide receiver last year. I get that Deshaun Watson might not be there, is likely not going to be there. He's holding out of practice. He has a foot injury, quote-unquote. Yeah, I'm sure. But Brandon Cooks is still a really good player. And whether he's attached to Tyrod Taylor or whoever's slinging the ball back there, I think that ADP 88 is a little low for a guy. It's a little disrespectful for a guy that's going to be on a really bad team, going to be on a team with a really bad defense, and a team that's going to be throwing a lot. Outside of injury, I don't see a reason why Brandon Cooks is going that low. I think that's a great value, a great, great value. You know, other guys in that area are like Jerry Judy, James Conner, Cortland Sutton, um, maybe Sutton's going a little earlier, but the point I'm trying to make is few people in that area have top 10 receiver upside. 
Brandon Cooks is one of them. Number seven, Mr. Logan Thomas, the converted quarterback to tight end of the Washington football team, current ADP 85, middle of the ninth round. I love Logan Thomas' value right now. People forget that he was a top three scoring tight end in PPR. Not only that, but the end of the season is where he really came out and just balled out. They signed him to a three-year extension this year. Ryan Fitzpatrick is likely going to be a lot better for fantasy purposes at the very least for the weapons in this offense. I think Logan Thomas right now is criminally undervalued. And in an abysmal tight end landscape, you can do worse than Logan Thomas at the ADP spot of 85. He's a top three tight end. He was a top three tight end last year, and I understand that there were definitely things that had to go right, but at the same time, there's a lot of tight ends that you're drafting in that area that don't have top three upside. They just don't. Number eight, Travis Etienne, ADP 53, early sixth round. This is a guy that is Trevor Lawrence's beloved teammate. They took him in the first round. Apparently, reports are that he is unguardable in camp. It doesn't surprise me. Etienne's a great player. I believe that if him and Trevor Lawrence can get cooking and they stop messing around with Gardner Minshew on the first team, stop that Urban Meyer, bad. Um, Etienne has legit top 10 upside. You know, we, we come in and, and we see rookies shine sometimes at the running back position. James Robinson, the other guy in that running back room, is no exception to that. But I think Travis Etienne is better than James Robinson. He's a better player. And James Robinson excelled partially because of the volume. I don't think that he is the most talented running back in the world. A great comparison I hear is, is a mix between uh, Chris Carson and James Conner for James Robinson, but um, I'm neither here nor there. I think Travis Etienne is an exceptional pass-catching back, and at the very least, he's going to give you a floor in PPR of at least an RB2. And with crazy upside, I mean, especially if James Robinson decides to take a vacation or he wins the lottery, Travis Etienne would likely be an RB1 in that scenario because I'm not scared of Carlos Hyde. Number nine, Wolf Fuller. Current ADP is 97. Are you kidding? For the best deep ball wide receiver in the league, or at least one of them, I mean, he is he does one thing very well, and I understand the concerns about Tua, deep ball throwing, but reports are that he is killing it in camp. But Will Fuller is criminally undervalued at 97. Late 10th round for a receiver with legit top 10 upside. I understand the suspension is still in place. He's going to miss week one, but, I mean, my goodness, this guy was absolutely killing it last year before he got suspended. I heard the fantasy footballers on their podcast talking about how much of his juice last year was juice. <laughs> and um, I guess we don't know that question, but I know for a fact that Wolf Floyd the last four years has been an exceptional wide receiver, and I don't see that slowing down. He's going to be in a really, really good high-powered offense, and at 97, you can do much worse. That's why receiver is really deep this year. Don't take early receivers. Load up the running backs. Take receivers later. If you could find... Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller in the ninth and 10th round. I would not even hate that being my number one, number two wide receivers if you're going to load up everywhere else, but I digress. Number 10, Jarvis Landry, ADP 102, early 11th. The best hands in the game. Probably the best slot receiver in the game right now. And I don't think that his upside is 
top eight, top 10 receiver, but he also has a really solid floor of like a low end wide receiver too. So if you're one of the guys that are really going no wide receiver early on, Jarvis Landry is a guy that you can come around and scoop up later. He's going to be good for you, but he's a lot better in PPR because he does not score touchdowns, at least not usually. You know, most of the time that we see Jarvis Landry, he, he usually does not score touchdowns. Um, so you have to take that for what it is. He's a PPR monster. Beckham's back, one of the best offenses in the league, Jarvis Landry. While he doesn't have crazy top 10 upside, I think that he's very, very safe. Uh, the low-end wide receiver two territory, especially if you're in a bigger league. And then a bonus one that I threw in was Antonio Brown. Current ADP is 104, middle of the 11th round for a guy that was the best receiver in football for four years. He is not that guy anymore, but he's not far off. If Mike Evans or Chris Godwin get hurt, which they have been inclined to do the last couple years, I think Antonio Brown steps in after having a full offseason with the GOAT and does better than what his ADP is <laughs> at the very least. He is he is crazy talented. He's not the player that he once was, and I'll be the first to admit that. But there's no reason that he should be going in the late or the early 11th round. I think that that's disrespectful to him as a player. And he is too good to be going that late. He is a guy with, an again, legit top 20 upside, and you're getting him in the 11th round. Stop. Stop. Stop that. Snipe him in the 11th round all day. And that's all she wrote, folks. All right, that is going to do it today on the show, on the Saley Football Podcast, Saley Fantasy Football Podcast. I appreciate you guys listening, and we're going to just keep busting out these episodes. A lot of exciting things coming in the future, and keep killing it, man. Draft's coming up, and we will see you guys soon.